first thing Fergus does, and, you know, system-wise, he'll use extra effort on this if it's necessary. First thing he does is to quickly take control of communique and ask, you haven't lied to me just now, have you? He's just making sure, but if thens. If she says no, then we'll proceed as follows in a minute. If she says yes, she's staying under control for a while, and she's going to explain herself and what her game is. But I figure that's not what's happening. So if she says no, she hasn't been lying, then he lets her go and says to her in a sort of terse and formal way that she's done the best that she can. He has no more need of her or or quarrel with her and that she and the Sept don't need to worry about him bothering them for a while. But he does throw in a bit of lecture at the end. He just says, you're supposed to be the heroes of this town. It's not a place with the resources, the reputation of other cities. This place needs its heroes more than anywhere. I won't interfere with you any longer unless you force me to by not doing what you must do, standing up for these people. Then he's going to blindfold her and say, the mad spitter will escort you out of here. He leans over to Spitter and and whispers in his ear, take her on a winding route, and then go to ground. We'll meet you back at at the headquarters, the warehouse we were before. We'll meet you there tomorrow. In the meantime, you need to rest. Once you get rid of her, Take care of yourself. We know she's going to call the MHTF, but hopefully by that time, we'll be far away. So once they leave, I'm assuming that Spitter just sort of does what he asks and and leaves. But then, so then he'll, he, he goes to seven and he says, I'm finding myself at a loss here. You've done extremely well to buy us this time, and it almost isn't right of me to ask this of you, but in the absence of other ideas, would you care to see about a ghost for me? The idea here is he wants somebody to try and make contact with Jaguar. Uh, And since Seven knows him as well as Puppeteer does, because Puppeteer never really bothered to get to know him, just sort of lured him to Stringersburg and then started manipulating him, he figures Seven might have some kind of insight into... Well, okay, so Fergus suspects that in some form or another, Jaguar might still be alive, or at least he hopes he is. Um... 
and he's he's thinking that if 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 Jaguar really does have some sort of connection to these Central American gods, then maybe a god would be able to say something about what this dude is. So he asks Seven if if they'll try and you know come up with some way to make contact with Jaguar, go to a place that Jaguar liked or one of their living relatives or something, just try and and make contact if there's anything still out there that's Jaguar-ish. Meanwhile, he's going to take the dude from, the, from another universe and... Um, well, first of all, he's going to go over to his guest and using, you know, drawings or, or pantomime or, or whatever, he's going to try to illustrate to this person the fact that if they are spotted, violence will break out, and that is not good. Um, he's then going to try and a- ask some questions like, are you hungry? Do you need water? Do you drink water? <laughs> Do I need to pour toxic waste down your throat for you to survive? Um, no, but um, he's gonna he's gonna make the point that like you need to stay out of sight, and then just like nip around the corner or whatever and and get food and water for himself because I presume he would be hungry and thirsty at this point. Um. So he's going to, he'll, okay, if then, if his sort of charades plus drawings method seems to get through to this alien person that they need to stay hidden while he goes around the corner and gets a cheeseburger, then he's going to go around the corner and get a cheeseburger. If they don't seem to understand what what Fergus is talking about, then he's not going to take the risk of letting them out of his sight. Um, so either way there, the next, the next thing, um, the other question would be about Seven. If Seven thinks that the Jaguar thing is a totally dumb idea and is a waste of time, then Fergus will ask them for their own suggestions and just, you know, try to be open to the idea that, you know, Seven has some kind of weird insight and maybe he should pay attention to it. If, on the other hand, Seven agrees to do that, then they'll set a a rendezvous point. Um, he'll say, he'll, he'll give Seven the same rendezvous time and place as he did Spitter tomorrow morning, Monster Squad headquarters. So the only other thing I can think of right now is... While him and an alien dude are hanging out together, um, he's going to hand, hand them, you know, some drawing, writing materials and um, just look at them like, like take his mask off for a minute and just look at him and try through, you know, all the whatever acting technique he remembers and just pure sincerity to just emote with his face. What do you want? So you mind control communique and she's not lying. And you start, you, you let it go and 
uh, you go into your 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 berating her, your tirade to her, and she tries to snap back a couple of times, but you dominate the comp the conversation. She, she looks pretty chagrined afterwards, and you tell her to leave and that you're you're gonna blindfold her and. Yeah, but you do have to mind control her to get her to cooperate uh, before leaving. And you go over to Mad Spitter and tell him the plans to meet up tomorrow to, and to take her on the circuitous route. And then once they leave, you go over to Seven and talk to them. And I realized last time I said she accidentally, and I'm assuming that you know that I meant they. It was just a pronoun slip. You... Talk to them and see if they could possibly try to make contact with Son of Jaguar. And they give you a, a, a quizzical look, and, but and they nod their head and uh, we'll, we'll see what, what we can, can do. do. Uh, it, it, it may take, take some time, time but um, I'll, I'll, I'll no, no guarantees, of course. You nod your head knowingly. And they look at you appraisingly. And You're, you keep surprising me. I, I think I have you nailed down, but your uh, how, how's the saying go? You're like an onion. You have you have many layers. They give you another appraising glance, and one day soon, you need to tell me what else that you can do. And with a slight grin, they they slide out the door. And as you see them sliding out the door, you see them kind of... At first, you think maybe they're straightening out their clothes, but you see that they're kind of pushing parts of themselves around. You don't get a real good look at it. It's just real quick. Um, but you do see this. You go over and you start to pantomime and express towards this individual, this alien, this visitor. And you're trying to get across the point of danger and they, it doesn't take long, but they, they, they nod their head, they, they get the idea and they point to themselves and they point to where they're sitting and, and you know, let you know that they're not going anywhere. And then they, you know, point to themselves and they point to you and kind of link their hands together saying that they'll, they'll stick with you. And at, at this point, you you, um, you guys are starting to get somewhat of a rapport. And, uh, communication starts to become a little easier, and you you know you figure out they are hungry and, and food. Just figure you'll take a take a shot, and you go get a burger. Come back, and they just they chow down on this this burger. Just go to town on it, and. You get some time to actually look at this individual before you were kind of on edge waiting for the meta force to come busting down the door or something. But like I said, they have this this hair that's so black, it's it's blue and their skin's got this green tint to it. They've got these intense uh, green irises and instead of whites, they have blacks for their blacks for eyes. And as you sit there and examine them while they, they eat on this burger and, uh, you know, juices running down their chin, they have these incredibly subtle 
geometric lines that that run down their body it's almost like um it segments them but it doesn't look they, they're they're flesh and blood they're not uh, robots or anything maybe it's some type of um scarification or i don't know it's almost like when You've been leaning on something like a table and you come back and you've got that line kind of pressed into you. That's that's what this is, except it's not discolored or anything. Uh, it's just a small indentation on their skin, almost too subtle. Uh, you just you missed it until now. Um, and before you all leave, you, you pull out your the materials, the paper and the pencils and their eyes kind of light up and they they jerk it out of your hands and plop it down on the table and you see them start scribbling furiously and they're leaning over so you can't get a real good look but um you kind of position yourself and at first you, you you see like these circles and lines and and whatnot and you think maybe it's um some type of form of uh pic pictograph uniforms something old but uh as they they keep writing on this paper um there's a very systematic way that they're going about in their hand but they're not going left to right or right right to left or up and down or down to up they're kind of going all over the page but they seem like they know exactly what they're doing they just continue to draw and write and write and write and write and as they continue to write, you see a pattern starting to emerge. And this is very precise, very intricate. And when they're done, they look up at you and their face is bright and they're smiling and they, they point to it like knowingly. And it looks exactly like a circuit board. So Fergus is presumably as baffled as I am by this diagram that looks like a circuit. First thing he's going to do is pick it up and look at it for a while, study it from a few different angles, rack his brain to see if it reminds him of anything. If it does, then I'll wait for you to tell me what that is before we proceed. If it doesn't, then he'll hand it back to the alien visitor and look at him perplexed, you know, shrug, see if he can emote like, I don't understand. <clears throat> Um, if the visitor responds with like another drawing or something like that, then he'll wait and see. Um, but if the visitor's response is more like, hey, I don't know, I'm trying to tell you here, uh, you know, like if there's nothing further to offer, then Fergus is going to quickly go out in disguise again and um, get someone well, he'll go, he'll go to a place where there are people as quickly as possible and get some sort of electronic device from someone. Some poor civilian will just give him like a, a smartphone or a tablet or something. Um, and then he'll come back and like power it down, crack it open and show it to this guy or dude or lady or whatever. Um, if he goes out to do that and along the way he finds like an old broken down piece of electronics that he can salvage, he'll grab that instead, whatever's quicker. 
But the idea is to come back with something that has a circuit in it and open it up and show them the circuit and be like, you mean like this? So you look and look at the the pictures, the diagrams, the drawings, but you can't gather anything from it. He, He draws another one that's much less complex, but it still looks like some kind of circuitry. And you all still have your base communication, but it's not getting any better. And he looks as equally flustered and irritated as Fergus does. So you decide to go out and get some everyday tech and while you're trying to hunt some people down. Uh, in some trash, you do find some tablets and an old desktop a few alleys over. So you're only gone for about 10 minutes. And when you come back, the stranger has continued to write slash draw and they're furiously writing when you come back and you go completely unnoticed and they filled out sheets of these diagrams and instead of stacking them up like uh, normal people would do after they're done writing uh, he has them laid out next to each other and it as you kind of peer over their shoulder you see that's making uh flawlessly connected whole picture uh, of this circuitry and as you're looking over their shoulder they, they, they give a jump and for a brief second you see that faint glow and the expansion of their body but it's it's quickly gone you, you know you instinctively take a step back and when you see nothing's going to happen you, you warily put all the junk parts down on the table and begin to disassemble some with your telekinesis and when you do this, the individual seems curious, but but not afraid when you start pulling these things apart without your hands. And when you're done disassembling, the guy begins to sh- shift through everything. And you see them arrange and rearrange, and occasionally they, they look like they're, they've got something, and then they just, this look of defeat crosses their face. And after about 30 minutes, they look up at you and... They point at the, the pile of circuit boards and parts and and then at their own throat and their mouth and the top of their head, tapping where their temple is. And, and they start miming with their hand like something's talking. And then uh, a look crosses their face and they, they point to a, a small speaker that came out of the, one of the tablets. And they point at it and they shake their head no. And maybe as they're asking if there's some way or or electronics that, that they communicate, um, you're not exactly sure. And then he points to you, and and then at the paper, uh, wanting you know, act, acting like he wants you to write something, and you begin to you know scribble the first thing that comes into your your head, and it's some opening to a a play that you're a fan of, and and they stop you and. They point at your writing and then point at the circuits questioningly. And uh, when they point at the pile of parts, something catches their eye and, and they, they, they quickly grab it and uh, pull it out. And it's a small board that has a serial number on it. And they repeatedly jab their finger at the at the at that part. And on a blank sheet of paper, they, they pull out. They make two single marks. One is a single straight line, and the other is a single line that curves from the beginning of the end to end, connecting with itself. It's a zero 
and a one. Fergus is going to go do the same thing that I just did, which is go get a smartphone and immediately once he's sort of a safe distance from humans, (laughs) he's going to Google binary to English converter. So to go get it, he has to go back above ground. Um, But before he goes, he's going to write down just the English alphabet on a sheet of paper and see what this guy can come up with. So again, he signs before he goes. He signs like, stay here. Like, don't be seen. I don't know if we can communicate that to each other. I mean, Fergus will use puppets if he has to. Um, so once he once he explains to this guy, or just reiterates, because he's already agreed to this, just he just reiterates like, stay stay out of sight. He goes above ground in one of his disguises again. He goes to the nearest area where people are like walking around and uh, a person politely loans him their phone he asks first (laughs) and then when they don't they do (laughs) so the, the person hands over the phone he does that search and um If he likes what he finds, if it seems promising, he's going to tell this person, well, this person loans him the phone indefinitely and he leaves. Um, He'll go back and give it to, or, you know, um, use the results to try and speed up whatever process the the alien visitor is uh, at work on because Fergus suspects he's going to be working hard when he gets back. So if he tries that and doesn't get useful search results, doesn't get something promising, then he emails the hacker who was looking up info for him about his possible MKUltra cousins or whatever. He doesn't really want to get back in touch with that guy because that guy seemed a little too avid to find out things about him. But um, if there's if there isn't another way to find information on how to translate from binary code to English, then that's his fallback plan. You're still at the warehouse and you leave him with the alphabet and go looking for a cell phone. And it takes you a bit to find someone strictly due to your location. The warehouse is somewhat out of the way, which you intentionally did. But all in all, it takes you roughly about 30 minutes to go out, find someone, and get back. And your Moogle search uh, brings surprising and relieving success. It seems like a translator from text to binary and binary to text is a pretty common resource. So you head back, and you might even have a, a little spring in your step, which is odd for Fergus. When you return... They haven't made any any progress with the alphabet that you can see, and um, it looks like they've been curiously looking around. They're tapping on things and smelling and licking them. You motion them back over the table and hand 
and hand them the phone, something to the effect of, hello, I'm the puppeteer, who are you? Converted into binary. Their face lights up and then their, their brow furrows and in concentration as they, as they kind of run their finger along the, the line of code. And they're mouthing something as, as they're reading the lines of ones and zeros and uh, like you would a, an unfamiliar word, like if you were sounding it out. And they go through and they shake their head and they go back with what looks like a little more recognition. They kind of go through it a little, a little faster and uh, they motion for you to show them how to write something on the phone and you start to show them, you're, you're tapping on the screen and everything and it looks like they just figure it out really, really quickly and they, they snatch the phone from you and begin typing their series series of ones and zeros and they type and erase some and they type and erase and it takes them a while but you get back I-138 for, for Biv long since taught ancient base very questions what, when, where system Fergus finds this elliptical or at least abbreviated mode of uh, speech surprisingly compelling at first in his head he's like oh god this is so horrible this person can't even speak but then he sort of thinks about it some more and he's like this is sort of like poetry in a way so um in stages he's gonna type back and then show using the phone's browser some answers to some of the questions. Um, for the question where, he's going to respond Earth and show 138 an image of the Earth. Um, probably a couple of images actually first a sort of like basic diagram of the solar system and then maybe like a really zoomed out satellite image of the earth and from there he'll you know refine further you know North America United States Illinois Stringersburg. If it seems like 138 is, is responding to Earth, then he'll he'll go into detail like that in successive stages. Um, as for when, he'll put, you know, whatever, whatever, 2018. I'm assuming we're doing this contemporarily. And then he'll put, you know, he'll put whatever, whatever, 2018 BCE, and then bring up a Wikipedia page that says what, or, or no, I, I guess it wouldn't be BCE, it would be CE for Common Era. And then he'll bring up a thing that says what Common Era is. So he's going to do this a little bit at a time. Um, illustrating with more information from the web as he goes. But every few minutes, he's gonna, like, like when he comes to a stopping point, um, he'll, uh, pause, he'll, he'll sort of hand, hand 138 the, the phone, um, 
he'll he'll try to show him like translate or something he'll he'll, he'll try to give him the means to like go to a, a web page and translate it into binary so he can understand it for himself and then while 138's busy reading stuff he'll sort of leave the building stealthily go around the perimeter take a look um, make sure nothing and nobody's coming for them. Um, I don't really know what time it is at this point in the world, but I mean, Fergus is basically going to try and like keep this going all night. So he can build some kind of common understanding with this person and, um, and then in the morning meet up with his little team. Um, He's also gonna throw in questions of his own. Maybe not one for one, but every every couple of questions that he tries to answer, he's gonna ask, first of all, you know, like, what are you? <laughs> Be like, I am... Well, I don't know about that, actually. The more I think about that, the more complicated that is. He'll be like... He'll be like, human. What? Uh, ah, hmm. The more I think about that, the less I like it. Hold on a second. Okay, actually, I think he's just going to ask some of the same questions in return. Like, where are you from? And what do you want? You know, like, what are you doing here? That kind of thing. Um, or like, how did you get here? So anyhow, he's going to try and keep this conversation going as long as he can, as fruitfully as possible with the tools at his disposal. Um, but he's also trying to like stay awake and be vigilant, you know, about the security of the area. So I suppose at some point he'll go to some kind of like late night convenience store place, you know, make a supply run, bring back, you know, coffee and whatever for himself to keep him awake, bring back grub for this person. He'll probably also like go, he'll, I mean, I guess he would steal a laptop and by steal, I mean, someone would donate it to him. Um, or, you know, maybe a store would, maybe he'd, he would go to like, <laughs> I guess it would be more, whichever would be more convenient for him. Like if, if, if within the sort of neighborhood that he can easily access, there happens to be an electronic store of some kind, he'll go in and take one and take it up to the register and the cashier will, you know, void out the transaction, uh, and, and let him go while the manager's not looking. Um... If there isn't a store like that, then maybe he'll he'll look around a little bit for somebody using one, using a laptop or something, and just um, relieve that unfortunate person of their burden. The idea is to maybe give 138 a machine of their own to let them sort of see what they can do with it. Just hand it over to them like, here, fucking fuck with this. See what you can do. Um, I, I want to point out that although Fergus really wants to communicate with this person, 
He is also a little worried about what giving him uh, access to technology might result in. So the whole time that he's trying to talk to 138, you know, through these machines, he's going to also just sort of like keep an eye on him, see what he's doing. Just sort of like watch him for any, um, you know, like power surgy kind of things. Like you mentioned before, when he was startled, he started to do his expansion thing. So I guess that's his defense mechanism. It's not so much that. Like if that starts to happen for some reason, all Fergus can do is like try to shield himself with debris and get the hell out of range. But, you know, he's um, he's sort of like very carefully interpreting whatever responses he gets back from 138 to um to like i don't know see if he says anything whack like you know i'm here to convert this world into binary or or any shit like that 